you know, man's life a long time ago was tough, dirty, dangerous, physical, you know, this was, and we're like, you know, the, all these modern conveniences, we want to have more fun, we want to watch TV, we want to play games, you know, all that. That's good up to a point. That's yin energy. Whenever you do something you really love to do, you enjoy doing, that's fun to do, that's stress-free, that's yin energy. That's feminine energy. And when you do something that's difficult, challenging, risk-oriented, goal-oriented, sacrifice-oriented, making money, uh, do what you have to do to get the buck, you know, any of that kind of stuff, that's very yang energy. That's uh, test, and it produces testosterone. Now, nothing wrong if women are over there on their male side, but too much of that means they're not going to be on their yin side. So you got to find the balance. And when people are out of balance, the problem is it's hard to come back into balance. Just like if you're falling over, you just keep falling. If you notice you're falling over, you can find balance if you know where to go. Okay, life can be crazy. You're feeling like you're sinking. Just trying to find a meaning. It's time for better thinking. Yeah, better thinking. Time to tune in. Let's go. In this episode of Better Thinking, I'm talking with Dr. John Gray, who's the author of the very famous Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. We talk about his entire body of work and his lived experience that's gone out and forged this body of work. I tell you what, what a fascinating story and, and life he's had. Most of you probably wouldn't know that he's gone out and practiced as a celibate monk for, for many, many years. Um, and he's written really about these experiences amongst his books. You're gonna love this one. Hang on because there's so much to learn in this one. John, you know, we just can't stop him once it starts going. It's, it's just incredible. Enjoy. Today's podcast, I have Dr. John Gray, who's the author of Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. I'm so excited today to be able to have this opportunity to talk about not only this body of work, and I know it's been an incredible you know, international bestseller, uh, but also how it's evolved and the work that John's doing these days with you know, couples and, and singles, um, because I think someone who's spent so much time in this space has definitely got a lot to say and, and many of my clients that I speak with still refer to, to John's work. So, uh, Dr. John Gray, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you. It's a real pleasure. And I always enjoy talking with people from Australia. <laughs> it's my favorite country. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to know we've still got a reasonable reputation out there. <laughs> well, you know, a little of my history is when I was uh, very beginning all of this uh, traveling based on the book. Back in 1993, 92, uh, I was invited to Australia and all my friends said, oh my gosh, you know, there's so much resistance here to your ideas. They're really going to be resistant. And I said, no way, no way. Of all places in the world, in Australia, they know men and women are different. And so my message is just how to understand those differences uh, in, a, in a more meaningful, uh, insightful way so we can create greater intimacy and better communication. But there was never much resistance to me at all in Australia, and I greatly appreciate that wisdom that comes from there. 
maybe maybe we could start with talking a little bit about that 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 space of resistance. I know that when I read the book and and I certainly did so so many years and you know I found it to be absolutely exceptional. Um, it certainly changed my my partner who, who's now actually my wife. So maybe I can credit you that uh, we got there. Um, I know that it was it was absolutely you know brilliant in that it it went out and and gave us a guide as to what we can generally expect. I know that the book wasn't written to say, you know, every man and every woman. I think, you know, that's a naive way to read anything. Um, I think it was really trying to talk about patterns and, and um, you know, subtle differences and the way that we go out and, and interrelate. And I've spoken with uh, gay couples since since then, and and often they talk about there still being those two roles, even in a in a gay couple relationship. Um, so it it seems to me like the concepts you know uh, uh, stand and and continue to stand today that it's part of you know human behaviour. Uh, what are your thoughts? And, and I'd like, I'd love to hear about you know what resistance you you. You, you kind of found and, and um, why that might have been so because I thought it was exceptionally well written. Well, you said it uh, probably better than I, what you just said, uh, a good summation of what I wrote about. And um, the resistance was some people read the book and they just didn't relate to the examples. And because it was such a popular book, uh, they kind of went, wait a second, but this doesn't describe me. And this isn't fair. You're you're kind of saying, I think on an emotional level, you're saying something's wrong with me if I don't fit your description. And throughout the book, particularly introduction, I said, this is not everybody. This is practically everybody that comes to me for counseling. <laughs> and so I'm just coming from my own experience of helping people in the trenches over the last 40, 50 years, 40 years where I've been doing this. At that point, it was a, a, a good 12, 13 years. Um, of just seeing these same repetitive patterns. And why, why don't we look at it from another point of view that maybe this is normal for men and this is what you can do about it. And this is normal for women and this is what you can do about it. There's nothing wrong with us. The difference is our, we are different. And if we can not try to change each other, uh, then we're going to be much happier. But when we're not getting what we want, we think the problem is our partners not thinking and reacting the way we would as opposed to actually we're not reacting in a way that they need. <laughs> and that, you know, more acceptance, more understanding can bring out the best of them. But, you know, it's hard in marriages and relationships because uh, you get so close, you feel one with your partner. It's like they become a part of you. And so you expect them to think and behave the way you do. And when they don't, you take it easy to take it personally. So the ideas of, of Mars and Venus in that basic book, which I continue to teach, you know, there's many add-ons to it now because things are changing in the world. But those basic ideas really help us to understand if you're a man or woman or in a gay relationship, if you're more the dominant uh, person, uh, where they might be coming from, where your partner's coming from. Because whether it's a gay relationship, straight relationship, it's polarity. A polarity creates an attraction. And if there's an attraction between two people, there's generally going to be what the Asians would say is the yin and the yang, uh, you know, the masculine energies, the feminine energies. And, you know, uh, later in the last 
40, uh, 30 years or so, so much research has been done on brain differences, which that gets resisted as well. Uh, there's like a force, uh, which I, I, I'm aligned with, it's the force of equality for men and women. And, uh, you know, we all really want that. And, but to, to have equality, equal respect, equal opportunities, uh, doesn't mean we're all the same. You, you can't say we're all the same. But there was a, a naive thought, and it still exists, that all of our differences are just made up uh, and that we really aren't that different. But the reality is we are. And we're men are from Mars, women from Venus. It really describes where we come from uh, quite often if you're masculine or if you're – are you coming more from the masculine energy? Are you coming more from the feminine energy? And then some people want to say to me, well, why can't you just say it like that all the time? Why do you say men? It's because men actually need more masculine energy. Otherwise, they're depressed or they're angry. And women need more feminine energy. Otherwise, they're depressed and angry. Uh, this happens. This is now, how can I say that? Although we can look at thousands of years of Asian insight about uh, the yin and the yang, they have to be in balance. And any disease in the body as an acupuncture, is always some imbalance of the flow. And so here we are as men and women, and when men become too emotional, our women become too independent, detached from their emotions, there will be problems. And that's not really where we're coming from, that's where when we come from the wrong place. So there is a bit of an understanding in my message, which is women, if you don't relate to many of the examples, not all, but many of the examples that I put out as common for women. If you don't relate to all of them, then you are more on your masculine side. Now, if that works for you, great. But if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling unable to fall in love, if you're feeling that life is causing you lots and lots of stress, rather than point the finger at other people, you really need to look at yourself and find balance within yourself. Likewise for men, we can be way too far on our uh, emotional side. And what I do is, is, in my later work, Beyond Mars and Venus, it's not necessarily talking as much about where we come from as men and women, but where we need to go in order to find balance. Because many times men today, they are too emotional. Uh, and, and they want instant gratification. And they get irritable and they can't make commitment and they can't maintain uh, a arousal to the same woman. They need a new woman uh, more and more. Um, this uh, tendency happens when the yang energy, and we can put that in biological terms, when his testosterone starts going down and his estrogen, the female hormone goes up. And again, people say, well, why is estrogen feminine and why is testosterone masculine? Very simple, go to your, uh, any test for hormones and they'll show you the suggested range for men and at the lowest realm of for men to be, have well-being, it's 10 times higher than for women. And for women, in terms of estrogen, their healthy range is 10 times higher estrogen than a man. So we see that when well-being occurs in men and women, you. You, you, women have a certain hormonal balance that affects our moods, our temperaments, our attitudes, our interests, our desires. And so when women become too young or too much on their testosterone side, 
they disconnect from estrogen, their feminine side, and they can't fall in love. They can't feel loving uh, and accepting and forgiving. All those attitudes come when you cannot exist, even if you want to be loving, you can't feel it unless you have enough estrogen in your body. And for a man to feel motivated, see men lose motivation in relationships a lot, you know, they just feel a little lazy, you know, <laughs> and we don't have the same juice, the same motivation. And it, it's, you know, women often say, oh, he's not trying or he doesn't care as much, whatever. Actually, his testosterone levels have just gone down. He doesn't have the juice that was automatic in the beginning, but for a variety of reasons, which I explore in my books, uh, his testosterone starts to go down, uh, her estrogen levels start to go down, her progesterone levels start to become out of balance with estrogen. It's a big picture now when we have all the hormonal understanding and there's no question that depending upon our hormonal balance, it determines what we feel, what we want. Because sometimes what we want is the wrong direction. Everybody who wants to eat junk food knows, you know, sometimes you want to eat stuff, but it's not good for you. So a lot of people think, well, this is who I am. This is what I want. This is how I'm going to be. And I go, look, as long as that works for you, you're not stressed out, you're in love, you're happy, go for it. But people say, oh, I know who I am, what I want. And they don't. They really don't know, just like we don't know what foods are good for us until we get sick. And then we say, you know, this is causing a problem. I need to change what I'm eating. Same thing with the, with the tendencies in our lifestyle and so forth. John, is that why I see on your, on your website, marsvenus.com, uh, there is uh, some, some dedicated space around looking at the hormone side about, I suppose, the individuals becoming better versions of themselves to be able to then go into either a loving relationship or, you know, to improve their, their loving relationship because those biological factors make such a big impact. I know that obviously one of the, the big uh, uh, takeaways that I took from your book was really around that acceptance, you know, that, that my wife could or you know, my girlfriend at the time could kind of look at her, her man and think, you know, I know he's always giving me these solutions, you know, unsolicited advice and the like. Um, he's not listening to me, but I know he cares, you know, that that's how he is, that's how he's built. Um, and obviously on, on my other side, trying to appreciate that maybe generalizations that she's, she's saying or, you know, this, this desire to, to talk something out is not really criticizing me, but rather, you know, trying to connect and become closer to me and accepting that that's who she is. Um, uh, from that sort of space of acceptance, is that where the, 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 the hormone side is, is, is so important and our health side? Because um, obviously on the you know, MarsVenus.com uh, website, there, there, there's more of that, that, that side, you know, as the, the bigger picture um, or so a, um, an additional part of the picture that needs to be discussed. Well, you know, you, you do such a great job. I can see why you're very successful and that you've summarized another one of the, you know, one of the most common points of men are from Mars, which is for women to understand that when men are interrupting you with their solutions, they're doing it because they care. And so not to take it so personally. And what she can do is just simply say, okay, uh, really, I just need you to listen. You don't have to say anything as opposed to an angry statement. You're not listening. You never listen. I can't talk to you. 
it's like, hey, you know, the guy's doing his best. He's a fireman. If there's a fire, he wants to put it out. He doesn't understand that <laughs> the way you put out this fire is you let it burn out. You know, she will talk for a while. And she'll feel better. And so there, you'd be friendly about, oh, you don't need to say anything she could say. You know, oh, it's, I just need to talk. I want to feel connected to you and kind of gradually train him to listen more. And, and when he doesn't, you know, to know not to take it personally, not to become so frustrated. This is why he's a guy. That's what guys do. And, you know, a guy will see his wife and she want to talk about stuff. And he's kind of go, why are we making a big deal out of this? Why, why bother talking about it? You know, just forget it. Let it go. And so you read my book and you go, oh, okay, listen, uh, when people are upset or bother about something, it actually can be very helpful for them to talk it out. Now, here's where Beyond Mars and Venus comes in. As, as men, uh, as women become more independent, that's young energy. And that's good to find a balance, okay? And men have become more emotional. Uh, they're more yin energy. They want to do more. They want to more have more fun. They want to enjoy their lives more. They don't want to work as hard as before. You know, man's life a long time ago was tough, dirty, dangerous, physical. You know, this was, and we're like, you know, the, all these modern conveniences. We want to have more fun. We want to watch TV. We want to play games and all that. That's good up to a point. That's yin energy. Whenever you do something you really love to do, you enjoy doing, that's fun to do, that's stress-free, that's yin energy. That's feminine energy. And when you do something that's difficult, challenging, risk-oriented, goal-oriented, sacrifice-oriented, making money, uh, do what you have to do to get the buck, you know, any of that kind of stuff, that's very yang energy. That's uh, test, and it produces testosterone. Now, nothing wrong if women are over there on their male side, but too much of that means they're not going to be on their yin side. So you got to find the balance. And when people are out of balance, the problem is it's hard to come back into balance. Just like if you're falling over, you just keep falling. If you notice you're falling over, you can find balance if you know where to go. But today, women who are more young on the independent side, they don't want to go to the yin side. They, they are the ones that say, you know, oh, that's weak. Uh, needing somebody, that's a big estrogen symptom, is when estrogen goes up, you feel a greater need for support. You need help. You don't want to do it all yourself. And when testosterone goes up, you go, I can do it myself. Look what I did. I accomplished that. So what happens is a problem today as, as women, some women have become too independent. They have a difficult time being feminine. They have a difficult time coming home. It's like switching hats is tough for them. and to go over to their feminine side feels like weakness. Uh, the more they swing to the masculine to get back to the feminine to find balance, it's going to be more extreme yin energy, which feels like I really need help. And they don't want to go there. They're embarrassed to go there. Uh, it, it, it looks they're very critical of themselves if they're that way. They want to be strong. And so it's hard for women to get back to their female side. And it's like, here's a woman who's too far on her male side. It's a symptom. This, you got to know the symptoms. Then you can say, okay, now I need balance. So the symptom, if you're feeling overwhelmed, too much to do. And you see this so much for women. It's like, oh, I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to do this. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. But I still have to do this. I still have to do this. You know, when a man has to do stuff and he's tired and exhausted, he usually just sits on the couch and forgets it. <laughs> Tomorrow. Manana, you know, I mean, there's times we'll push, push, but, you know, we have a sort of a regulator that puts on the brakes and uh, 
that goes along with male physiology, that goes along with testosterone in a man's body and the way his brain's wired up is we can uh, more easily just forget our emotions. As a matter of fact, uh, feelings and all that, we disconnect. But we can also go too far to the feminine side where we become too emotional. And this is what's happening to a great extent as women have gone to this independent side, men have gone to this uh, wanting to enjoy life more side. The, the and that's the feminine energy. Uh, and, you know, you can see this by the amount of game playing on the computer, amount of sports men watch, uh, amount of beer that they drink. Uh, you know, this is relax, have a good time, have fun. You know, these women will go, you know, you're not working on the relationship. And he's like, well, why work on the relationship? We just love each other, just accept each other. You know, this, this would be great if women said that, you know, and it'd be great if men said, let's work on the relationship. You know, this is the man's side, but we're switched over. And uh, so my book, Beyond Mars and Venus, helps us to find techniques to come back to balance if you're out of balance. And so what would that look like? Well, those techniques, you have to really understand gender differences. Then you have to understand gender differences out of balance in order to see the relevance of these techniques, as well as the appropriateness of these techniques. For example, one of the most powerful techniques is men stop talking so much. You see, as men go to their female side, they complain more. They start complaining. Oh, it drives women crazy when men complain because when you're in your complaining mode, you're on your yin side. Actually, one of the more dysfunctional ways to increase yin energy is complaining. A better way is asking for help. You know, whenever you're complaining, you're actually asking for help, but it's got a criticism attached to it, a judgment attached to it. You know, like, oh, you never turn out the lights. It has an implied judgment, uh, criticism, rejection. Whereas if you say, oh, honey, I know you turn out the lights, mostly, most of the time you turn out the lights, but would you try to remember to turn out the lights? I'd really appreciate it. Just a little softening of the whole thing. It's not a complaint, it's a little reminder as a request. And, you know, it doesn't always have to be so cushioned if it's only occasional. Hey, honey, you forgot to turn out the lights, you know, but be playful with it. Uh, women get into this uh, complaining mode. It's one of the ways to rebuild their estrogen but it sabotages the relationship. And so the more she gets over to get back to estrogen when she's too far on testosterone, her brain will start complaining, will start complaining. And she doesn't want to feel those emotions because they feel so uh, weak and, and needing help. So she'll go over to her male side is rather than complain, I'll do it myself. I'll do it myself. And so they're busy, busy, busy doing it themselves, feeling overwhelmed. Their brain just is so over, overactive, they can't relax and they can't enjoy sex. You know, if you don't enjoy sex, it, you know, your relationship is definitely not going to be what people want today. What people want today is lasting romance and passion. And while you can say romance is men being attentive and affectionate, loving and so forth, it, you want romance, you got to have sex too. And if you don't enjoy sex and you're a woman, a man's going to lose interest in you. Uh, that's where it's at. You, how could you be interested to a woman who's not enjoying sex? And this is an example of how far we men have come. You know, this uh, balance of the masculine and feminine side of men means that when we have sex, we want the woman to have an orgasm. We want her to feel good. We want her to enjoy it. If you go back 100 years, 
uh, men didn't care whether women had an orgasm. They're just using women for relief. You know, it, this is the normal male uh, who doesn't understand the female who just wants to get his biological need for release taken care of. But today, men are so much more considerate and compassionate and loving, but they don't get any credit for it, just the fact that they want to please her. Although many men don't have the skills, they don't have the education. I think it's more common now. But I remember going to Australia 20 years ago, doing a TV show on, on, uh, on sex education, Mars Venus sex education. And, and we had a, a guy on there, and he was really proud. He's, and he said, now, how's your sex life? And he said, well, I think it's really good. And his wife, you know, she said, well, honey, it could be a little better if you would kiss me. <laughs> you know, meaning another man's oh we have a great sex life i said well tell me about it he says oh yeah we could have we could do the whole thing in the commercial break of star trek <laughs> so you know that was his idea of a great time you know quickie that's fun to do the quickie sometimes but it's not making love and ultimately sex if it is to sustain for a lifetime uh it needs to be making love and personally that's the only reason i would have sex is to make love it's, it's the most rem remarkable uh, experience a human being can have. But you can't just go have sex with anybody. You can't just go online and have that kind of sex. What that will be is a shot of dopamine, which is equivalent to like a, a hit of cocaine. That's what a, a, you know, a release is, is such a massive dopamine stimulator. And if it's not balanced by estrogen and oxytocin and a variety of things that would happen when you're making love, then it becomes an addiction. So what's happening today is massive addictions to internet porn, men getting a release to a computer as opposed to with someone they love. And you know, high dopamine stimulation changes the brain so normal dopamine stimulation gives you no pleasure. An example of that would be um, a child naturally will enjoy vegetables. Uh, broccoli, for example, tastes delicious. But you give a child a bunch of desserts and broccoli doesn't taste good at all because sugar will stimulate higher levels of dopamine. The brain becomes desensitized. It adjusts. It compensates and now it requires high levels of dopamine stimulation in order to feel the normal amount of pleasure and normal stimulation like a broccoli uh, is boring and so we see today everybody on their phones are bored they can't even look in each other's eyes they can't sit and have a conversation uh, I won't say not everybody but we know people are really quite sure. addicted to their phone they're looking for that little hit that little hit that's one of the symptoms of this addiction we have to new and different and immediate gratification and surprise. And, you know, who would have thought that people could sit and watch the news for hours? You know, we have 24 hour news stations because it's new and different. New and different stimulates dopamine. Same and familiar doesn't stimulate dopamine. So you got the same wife, the same body, the same reactions, the same responses. There's only so many moves you can make in the bedroom. It becomes very comfortable, familiar, but you don't get that dopamine stimulation unless, and this is the great thing, which unless you're able to sustain in your romantic relationship a polarity. 
polarity means differences. I'm a man, you're a woman, and we are different. And if you can act out those differences in your romantic relationship, you can maintain that polarity. Now you can go to work, you can be a man, woman, you can, you know, for a guy, you can go hang out and have fun, but in your relationship, you need to maintain what it looks like if you're very masculine and what it looks like if she's very feminine. And that's a big subject that, you know, it's not just a few things, but for example, if a woman is talking, man, you should not talk, ask questions, show interest. Here's three phrases you can remember. Uh, help me understand that better. That gets her to talk more. How does that make you feel? That gets her more in touch with her feelings, which is very estrogen stimulating. Then you say, what else? And then you say, tell me more. And then you say, help me understand that better. And you go on and on and on. That's going to generate estrogen inside of her. And that will bring her back to her emotions and her feelings, which will then relax her brain. Uh, that's what emotions do for women. If they can talk them out, if they can't, then their brain becomes uh, overexcited. They go on their male side. They feel like they have to do everything themselves. I imagine as well, it brings about an immense amount of security in their man, that their man can understand them, appreciate them, uh, is taking an interest uh, in them, and, and that builds that closer closer bond, um, uh, which, which, you know, I, I'm, I'm assuming, you know, duplicate that over and over, and there's probably a much greater desire for both parties to want to become intimate and, and, and you know, have sex with each other rather than with computers. Well, it's proven that when women feel safe, you set a greater amount of security. You hit the, the nail right on the head is it's always been a woman's greatest need is security. Our role as men was to provide security. We're all security guards, basically. They don't need security guards so much anymore. What they need is to feel secure to express this vulnerable part of them that may not be as logical or as rational as they are in the workplace, that may not be as confident as they are in the workplace. Matter of fact, it's not. And here's the, you know, the, the sort of uh, the big challenge for both men and women is if we look at the yang energy, the masculine energy, uh, it has many attributes. And beyond Mars and Venus, I go through a, a whole list of different yang attributes, yin attributes. And on the yin side, and feminine side, emotion. Okay, emotion. Uh, if men become too yin, too feminine, they become angry. Always. See, men don't know this. Is, you know, they always feel like anger is some sort of male trait. It's actually the dysfunctional, insecure male that gets angry. Anger is a sign that you're afraid. Now, say that to some guy who's angry. Oh, you're just afraid. No, I'm not. But if you're not afraid, why are you so upset? You know, <laughs> it's, it's always underneath this. It's, it's, anger is a defense reaction because we are feeling insecure and we're just feeling too emotional. That's what it is because we lost confidence. Confidence is a quality of masculinity when it's in balance. It knows what to do. But if you're in stress and you don't know what to do, then literally your testosterone, which is the masculine hormone, we need 10 to 40 times more than women, the masculine hormone converts into estrogen. And now our testosterone goes down. So what they found, and this was actually 25 years ago, but still is not common knowledge, it was discovered in science that uh, when, when there's aggression, 
uh, it's not due to testosterone. Anger is not due to testosterone, it's due to estrogen. It's when men become feminized that they become, are insecure, when they're insecure, that's a fear, the emotion, uh, that's when they become aggressive. And that's why training is so important for men in relationships, because the danger is no longer, you know, some big bad guy out there and you go shoot him or beat him up and you're confident to do it because you're well trained. The bad guy becomes your wife who's not happy with you. And that's more threatening to you than any bad guy because we only want to fight the bad guy so we can get the love from, the good, from our wives. You know, love is the most important thing to both men and women. And if it seems that she doesn't, she's taking her love away, we have to convince her, you're wrong. <laughs> you should love me. And so it's that insecurity, the fear of losing love, appreciation, acceptance, even though we may not be aware of it, inside there's this fear that creates a defensiveness that wants to make her wrong. And then we go into this angry place. So men need to know, one of my big revelations in this book is, you know, men want to be masculine and, and you feel good. But when you're angry, actually, you're losing your masculinity and you're becoming feminized. And so what do you do? Well, you do what men were taught to do always throughout the ancient past is when you're angry, stop talking and don't make decisions. Walk away and do something that makes you feel good. If you do something to make you feel good, you forget what was bothering you. You know, forget it. It's an old thing we men say to each other all that. Ah, oh, don't worry about it. Forget it. It's not a problem. You don't have to waste your time on that. Let's go do have some fun. Let's go do something good that we like to do. You know, it's distract, go away from it, which unfortunately modern psychology is saying, no, 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 you need to talk it out, talk it out. <laughs> As if that helped anybody. But you see, the reason it says that is because 90% of the people who go to therapists who write these books and create these courses are women. So if a woman's upset and she can talk it out, that increases her estrogen and that lowers her stress. But the last thing we need as men when we're stressed is more estrogen. So what Buddha taught, go back way back, thousands of years, uh, Buddha taught men meditate, not women, it was men, forget it. The whole idea of meditation is to forget all your problems, you know, let it go. And we have a special ability to do that easier than women. Now, modern women can learn to do that easier because they have more of their independence. But the traditional man, so much easier. He could just, oh, I'll just forget it. I'm not going to worry about it. Let's have some beer and have fun and forget the problems. So this is a good thing. And that's been shamed now. You know, it's like men are wrong for that. You need to be emotionally available. I just, uh, I hear this from some women. They say, oh, I want a man who's emotionally available. And I go, no, you're not emotionally available. You need to learn to be emotionally available. But the reason women are looking for men to be more, quote, emotionally available is they're in, women are insecure and they want reassurance that what he's feeling is love for her because quite often we're just thinking and we have no feelings, okay? There's nothing wrong with thinking with no emotion, okay? That's very masculine. That's a good thing, but it disconnects. And when you disconnect, women misinterpret it. Because when women disconnect, it's because they're mad at you. So when we disconnect, they think, oh, he's mad at me. What's going on? I need to hear what he's feeling, you know. And, and, and often we're not feeling good things. What we'll do is disconnect from them. And she's trying to get you to connect to it, which is nonsense. It's the wrong thing. And, and you know, men have an instinct, even in an argument, to say, oh, 
they don't do it very politely. I mean, what you want to learn to do is say, okay, I need to think about this. We'll talk later. But they'll say, I'm not going to listen to this anymore. And they'll walk off. Then women will follow them and keep asking questions, and what comes out is the dragon. So that's why I, in Minute from Mars, I talked about men need their cave time. If you go in that cave, you get burned by the dragon. Just leave him alone. If, he's, uh, if he wants to be alone, ignore him. He doesn't want you to go ask him a bunch of questions. But women do it because if you can learn to listen to a woman, and when she's stressed and without reacting, Oh, she'll feel better very soon. But what men do is women start to get upset. We get upset back because we're too on our female side. We have to learn to detach. But if you do get activated, take time to forget the problem. You know, go play some video games, go drive your car, go hunt, go fish, you know, go solve math problems, go meditate. You know, I go meditate and then I do some physical exercise, which then builds my testosterone up. And when men can build their testosterone back up, the estrogen goes down, then they're able to reflect on how did I contribute to the problem. That's pure masculinity. One of the qualities of masculinity is accountability. If there's a problem, how did I contribute to it? What can I do to change it to make it better? If you're on your yin side, it's what did you do wrong, <laughs> how you should change. So we want to come back out of the blame game come back to accountability, and men can do that much easier. Women can do that if they have a chance to express emotion and be heard. But the key here is she doesn't have to talk to her partner always about it. If she doesn't have her heart open, she needs to talk to somebody else. Because communication does not work if your heart isn't open, either partner. Just got to get that if our heart closes, it's somehow we're not feeling loved and supported. We don't feel safe. So take time out. Do what you need to do to come back into your balance and reflect on how you contributed to the problem. Then you can go back and have the conversation again at a later date. But even then, I suggest you take some time. If you had an argument that was hurtful in some way, you don't want to address that issue again. Say, okay, let's look at that again. You, you come back and you're just kind of kind and you're nice. And even come back and don't even say, I'm sorry. Because if you say, I'm sorry, and your partner looks at you like, well, you should be because they haven't come back to open heart. Boy, that can plug you in. So even before you say anything, just come back like nothing has happened and just be nice, be kind, soften, soften, give people a chance to restore their feeling of security and safety. Then, you know, if, if you feel you contributed in some way, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to say that. I know that probably hurt your feelings. Uh, and, and that makes it safer for both people. But safety is very, very important to both men and women, but 10 times more important to women. And men need to know this because anger is the scariest thing to women. It's not the scariest thing to men. Okay, woman getting angry means not, it means maybe you're not gonna get sex, okay? <laughs> but generally speaking, they, we don't have this sort of fear of dying and abandonment if a woman is angry. But if a man is angry, it plugs the instinct, kind of like snakes or something, you know. It's like a, a phobia that most women have. When a man becomes angry, it terrifies some part of them, and they don't feel safe. Because for thousands of years, when men got angry, you weren't safe. Because uh, yeah, when they're angry, it means they've lost control. They're no longer on their masculine energy, which wants to serve. They become self-serving, manipulative, and cruel. 
and sometimes heartless and violent and aggressive. All those things happen when men go too far to the female and an inability to love, forgive, accept, be happy, all that happens when you're not, when a woman is too far on her male side and not enough on her female. John, there is so many light bulbs going off for me at the moment. I can see, you know, how passionate you are and, and, and this, this stuff just oozes out of you. You know, it, it's just your second nature. I mean, I, I know you've been doing this for 40, 40 plus years. Is this kind of what people can expect from your, your workshops? I know that you've got, uh, I think in October 11th to uh, 13th uh, workshop working with um, uh, couples and, and, and singles a weekend. Um, is this the sort of stuff that they're going to experience and get? I mean, I'm, I'd like to fly over and, uh, you know, be part of that at the moment. Well, it's in the Bay Area near San Francisco. I know Australians love to travel, so uh, certainly you're <laughs> welcome to come. Uh, uh, yeah, it, we do that. But we also do where I work with couples. So I give the basic ideas and then I, you know, basic I say, okay, who in the room? Not everybody's going to come in front of the room. Uh, but there's people that are willing to show it all. And it, you learn so much when you see me working with other people other than yourself, because you can, you can see where people are just blind to their part in something and they're so resistant and, and you just want to get them there. You want to shake them and you realize that's me. That's me. I'm so stubborn too. You know, they're just maybe a little more stubborn or maybe not, but, uh, it's easier to learn through other people and real life situations. Um, there's also dynamic exercises that people practice some of this stuff and helping them to realize how to do it better. So there's talking, there's sharing, there's me working with people, and then there's uh, exercises, uh, personal growth exercises. And what would you say has, has been one of the, or, or, or some of the changes in your body of work? Because I, I kind of look at all of your work as a big body. You know, it, it's not one piece or another. Obviously, you know, starts with men are from Mars, you know, women from Venus and then beyond men are from Mars. Um, uh, uh, I, your, your body of work extends to, you know, seminars and teachings and, you know, your, your, your books and lectures. How's that evolved um, since 1990? Well, actually, beyond 1992, that, that, that's when you wrote it. But uh, you, you were you were working as a therapist, you know, many years prior to that. How would you say things have changed, and 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 how we have, you know, how relationships have changed over that time? Well, I look at the. Uh, I'll start back in the 60s. <laughs> that's when I started. 1969, I became a teacher of transcendental meditation. And we all wanted to get really high. I think that's the generation <laughs> that kind of, you know, maybe a narcissistic, narcissistic to say, but that's when it all started in the 60s, you know, we had a revolution of consciousness. Women joined, you know, support groups to be men. You know, we want to be empowered. We want to run the world. No more submissiveness for us. You know, we want equality. And we men, you know, we started growing our hair out. You know, we wanted to get high. We wanted to um, demonstrate for peace, you know, peace and love. Uh, I started uh, wearing outfits, you know, uh, that were different from pink shirts, you know, bell-bottom pants, big buckle boots, you know, that weren't cowboy boots. Uh, you know, this was all hippie, hippie kind of generation started this whole men going to their female side, men going, women going to their male side. Uh, and at that time, it was a time of higher consciousness, you know, LSD, you know, to get up uh, all these drugs to have a higher consciousness. But that was just a symptom of the time. I think we went through a real shift 
uh, in the frequency of our planet. And that's measurable now. The Schumann resonance, which is the, the heartbeat of the planet, has dramatically changed since then. Uh, it, it, there's real changes that are happening. So I became a celibate monk, a teacher of transcendental meditation. I was a personal assistant to the Maharishi, who was the guru to the Beatles. Uh, that was a big thing back then. And I wanted higher consciousness, enlightenment, personal development, and, uh, and world peace, you know, all this meditating for peace. So this was, you know, a whole change in, for me. And I got very high, very enlightened. And then I, uh, my brother was bipolar and uh, my teaching him meditation didn't help. So I um, left the Maharishi to study psychology, uh, thinking I could help my brother who was bipolar. And realized, you know, I think all that meditation really helped me understand a new psychology because it was when you meditate for many years and you, you for me, I learned how to be happy, independent. Okay, I, I can come back to happiness regardless of what happens outside of me. Things can upset me, but I can just relax and go in and I'm back. Uh, that came from years of meditation. Then in psychology, so much a mistake. This is how I developed from Mars, becoming a psychologist, listening to women. And what I saw is every woman coming in, she always said, how can I change my husband? That's everything they wanted to do. It's like, what do I do to change my husband? And I have to explain gently, nothing you can do will change your husband. You have to change yourself and become more loving. And if you are more loving, your husband will want to be more loving. And, you know, he will help you more as you learn to communicate your needs in a non-complaining, non-demanding way. They couldn't do that. So I developed the whole understanding to help explain men and women how we're different. So that all came from all that uh, meditation. But there was a period before the Mars Venus came out, uh, about four years, where I was um, focusing on healing the heart, a uh, broken heart. Uh, I had been previously married for two years when I, one of my friends in the TM movement, uh, I started teaching classes on sex, okay? Uh, people think, well, how does a celibate monk teach classes on sex? That was funny because, uh, well, when you haven't had sex in nine years, and as a teenager, I was very sexually active. I mean, I love sex. Uh, I still love, have great sex. Uh, it's the best thing in the world, making love. And so I was totally into sex because I hadn't had it. And so, but I, I traveled around, had lots of girlfriends for a year. And um, that's a big story. But every girlfriend, I would say, teach me about your body, what makes you happy in sex? Because I wanted to learn. And because I'd been a monk, they were real happy to teach me. You know, somehow they, there's an expectation a man should know and she shouldn't tell him. But with me, because I was a celibate, I was so innocent, was, teach me how to do this. What do you like? What do you not like? A lot of conversation about it. So I, I learned so much. I thought we should, every man should have this information. So after a year, I opened up, while I was studying psychology, I opened up my own seminars saying, uh, weekend on making love, making love work. And we all just sat around and talked about what made sex great. And you saw gender differences begin showing up. So I, I uh, married my friend who I was having lots of sex with. And, but we didn't really have this understanding of gender difference at all. We were in complete role reversal. And I just, you know, I was going along with the flow. She wanted me to be like a girl, you know, talk about my feelings all the time, open up and I needed to take cave time. She would make that wrong. You know, all those things. We were making all these mistakes of not understanding gender differences. And then she fell in love with some other guy after two years. Uh, 
broke my heart. Also, I was already teaching seminars on this. I had to quit teaching the seminars because I wasn't an example. I'd be out of integrity to be teaching. So I was just a wreck. So then I started teaching seminars on healing the heart, have a broken heart. And I developed a whole bunch of stuff on how to heal emotions, which then really cleared me out. So I got very clear on the gender differences and what women needed, what men needed uh, in terms of relationships. That became my whole journey. Now what I'm doing is uh, updating the Mars Venus in my book, Beyond Mars and Venus, with um, understanding the hormones of how we get out of balance. So not where we're coming from, but where we need to go if we're not happy together. Uh, also, I wrote a great book in the 90s on Mars Venus in the Bedroom. I will update that book. It, you know, that was written in the 90s. You know, that we've learned a lot about sex since then. Uh, you know, I teach, you know, how, how men can have multi-orgasms and how women need to have nine orgasms. And, you know, this is fantastic for them. Uh, I've studied, I've gone to China for 10 years now studying the Tao of sex. They have a 6,000-year-old system of sex, of sex, which is not taught to the public. I teach the Chinese people, but I go to these uh, sort of uh, Taoist masters who, you know, in these areas, they, they have the knowledge. The books are written, but not translated. Uh, there's some Taoist teachers who have translated it in America. Uh, Mantak Chia has some books on it. There's some other, Dr. Chang has some books on it. Uh, but I went to China. I wanted to hear from different people. So I teach men how to be multi-orgasmic, how to, how to take women to nine orgasms. And uh, this is like fantastic stuff for a lifetime, for a regeneration, which we just don't have the education for it. It's time now for that education to come out. And particularly these techniques were not taught because not everybody could do them because they didn't have the consciousness to do it. But the, se the 70s, 60s and 70s opened our consciousness. Now men can be on their female side, women can be on their male side. So we can get this balance because it's the balance of masculine and feminine that can sustain orgasmic energy. The big challenge for men is to give up the addiction to the release uh, and not always keep wanting the release occasionally. Yes, but learning to be orgasmic because there's the difference between orgasm and release. Uh, and for women, they need to have a man have stamina so she can get these various points in the vagina fully stimulated because you got to go in order, generally speaking. Otherwise, you know, it's like touching the nipple. If it's not already aroused and excited, it doesn't feel good for her, you know, but at a certain point, squeezing it is really good. So everything is timing and build up and it takes time. Once you get it down, it doesn't take as much time if a woman's having regular sex, but uh, to this high level. So these are all new skills that the world is ready for now because so many people can do it. In the past, I don't think they could. So I'm teaching that and also I'm teaching, I'm going back to my earlier work of healing the heart. I do that work as well. My weekend seminars, I bring people to heal childhood issues. I'm very efficient at that. And then I teach meditation. Uh, you know, it's amazing the ability for people, if taught appropriately, how quickly they can go to very deep and high states of meditation. Uh, sometimes using the beginner's techniques is too boring. If meditation is boring, usually it's because you're doing a beginner's technique and an advanced technique actually will work for you right away. It'd be like, you know, let's say you're capable of doing geometry or algebra and I keep teaching you one plus one is two, one plus one is two. You're going to get bored with it. And you're going to go, okay, this was nice for a while, but it doesn't really seem to make a difference because there are these advanced stages 
of meditation and techniques that uh, were not taught to the general public because people couldn't do it, but today people can. Is this that, that's a range of what I do. <laughs> As well in China, I have whole universities that teach the my Mars Venus I, uh, pa positive parenting. It's called Children from Heaven. And I was just there taught 5,000 people uh, parenting techniques. It was wonderful. You know, it's a revolution there. You know, they're very open to these new ideas. Wow, wow. Is this material uh, available to, to read up on, you know, in your uh, MarsVenus.com? How do you kind of disseminate this, this information? Should we see if we can get along to one of your, your courses? Where do we start? Well, the advanced stuff, there's so much material at MarsVenus.com. The advanced stuff I teach in my, in my uh, weekend seminars haven't yet got that into books because uh, it's, uh, it's going to come. You know, things come in their body time. Work, yep. It's a body of work, and you want to have a lot of experience before you put something in the print. You know, I was teaching men from Mars, women from Venus for over 10 years or almost 10 years before I put it into print. Uh, that's why it's so good. I mean, it really takes in, into awareness all the issues and experiences of people and I had to refine my terminology so it would be most effective. And that, that's being out there in the world for a while. So I do these men-only seminars. That's where I train men on how to be multi-orgasmic. And that's a training. I'm still finding the best way to teach men because uh, it's a hard addiction to give up, you know, to give up that addiction to release. It takes practice. It takes muscle awareness. There's these muscles down south that have to, you have to have greater muscle awareness. You practice those muscles. And you also, you learn uh, by abstaining from releasing for several months, but also being aroused uh, on a regular basis, uh, but not releasing, your body learns to sustain the energy so you can last longer in sex. That's really an important part for women is, you know, at least a good, good 30 minutes of, and there's a lot of rare variety in this whole thing. And there's never just one way for everybody. I want to put it that way. But women generally do want more time. And the women who do get more time uh, from men, they often want to feel more of an emotional connection. Because there is, you know, it's a bell curve. Many men will be done in a few minutes of intercourse. And, you know, some men five minutes. Generally, that's not nearly enough time to bring a woman to these higher levels. And then there's the men that can... That, on the other end of the bell curve, men who don't can't release because they don't have enough estrogen to release. So there is an issue where you need to have enough estrogen in your body to release. Uh, there's a whole other aspect of a big question people have since we're getting into this is, um, you know, you've been married for many years. There's a lot of people just not having great sex and a lot of people just not having any sex. Uh, uh, they call it the no sex marriage after seven or eight years. They're just, you know, the kids grew up, they're tired, they're busy, they're not having sex. When they do, it's often just uh, the woman's not fully into it. You know, it's not that exciting and whatever. It's a nice release for the man. Uh, and it's only like once a month. You know, this is, it, it, it becomes sort of like, well, we should do it rather than isn't it exciting? We're going to do it. You know, when, it, when a woman feels a man's erection, you know, it should be thrills and excitement inside of her, you know. Uh, and not once a year, <laughs> so <laughs> it, it should be applauded. Here he's here, you know. It's like desire is a beautiful thing because it awakens in women desire. So so many men say, "Oh, you know, I wish wish my wife 
you know, wanting to have sex, but it's your desire for her that awakens that desire. But here's the problem is when men, th this is a whole nother message that's not written anywhere yet, it's a, but it's a very simple idea. Uh, the Japanese did a study, and that is written as a study. They've done several studies on this to show that when men release, that's a polite way of saying ejaculate, when men release on Saturday night, if they release uh, on Sunday or Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, their testosterone stay at about the same somewhat low level or average level for him. But if they release on Saturday night and they don't release for six days, their testosterone levels will double. And this improves the plumbing, it gets the testosterone going, it creates massive desire inside of him uh, that women respond to. Energetically, women respond to high testosterone men. Okay, it's just uh, women will be around some men and they just get excited. It's uh, testosterone in a man stimulates estrogen in a woman. When a you man has too much estrogen. That. You also mentioned that uh, when men have greater uh, testosterone, they, they tend to take pay more attention uh, to, to the woman as well. And so it's kind of like that, yes. that space. And exactly. so you know, more what? needs are being met rather than, um, you know, if, if they're low on testosterone, they, they lose interest. Yeah, they have that lack of interest. They're sort of more passive about things. They're more fluid. They're kind of like, okay, not worrying, no big deal, okay. But that passiveness is a real turnoff for women. It's what you had on the psychological. There's just a natural more interest. There's a curiosity. You can see an, an, uh, who's dating in a restaurant, who's married. <laughs> the dating man is anticipating, hoping for sex. He's very interested. The dopamine's up and the married guy's, ah, what's for dinner? You know, he's looking around, whatever. It doesn't have that same level of interest. So it's literally an energetic thing, which is labeled as interest. But it's, that's the higher testosterone level. So when it doubles on Saturday, that renews the energetic connection between the two of them. But if then on Tuesday they have sex or on Tuesday he has sex with himself, uh, you won't ever get that. And then when you don't get that with your partner, then there's a greater tendency to want to have sex with yourself or sex with somebody else or fantasize somebody else. And you're not with your partner. So she needs to be fed that release to her. Okay, she needs to feel that that uh, doubling of testosterone to renew her desire to be with him because her body hungers for that uh, higher estrogen level that will happen when he's that interested in her. Now, here's the, the solution is basically if you're out of having sex, you're not having it, it's just like a zero marriage sex, you need to just start on Saturday night. Uh, it doesn't have to be Saturday, one day a week. You just start from zero. That's standard sex therapy. Just start from zero and they'll have no expectations is to be close together, say loving things together. A lot of things you can say or do, but be, be naked at some point. You know, that's what you want is to get two naked bodies against each other, rubbing a little bit, kissing each other, saying nice things with no expectation that he's going to get an erection or she's going to get interested. Uh, maybe a nice massage for her. There's lots of different things you can do when you start from zero, just no expectation. Then what happens if he does get an erection, he gets a release, great, fine. Then for six days, no release, no porn, nothing. Then be with her again, then be with her again, and you rebuild that energy. Because it's not just the, 
the uh, going for six days, that's the biological rhythm of a man's body, which they found in the tests. Uh, there's another thing which is not written about. This would be my theory. It's uh, very simple. It's common sense. There's something which is the foundation of psychology, which is called Pavlovian response. Now, most everybody knows what that is, but a few won't, so I'll just say it. Sure. Uh, you feed a dog food, it sees the food, it begins to salivate. That's an instinct. Already salivation enzymes are being produced as it sees the food. And uh, then you, while the dog is salivating, you then ring a bell. And you do that a few times. Then there's no food, you ring the bell, and automatically the body will salivate. Salivation is your instincts, instinctive brain. You see, it just hears the bell and it thinks, oh, food's available. So that's a conditioned response. So what happens when typically a man has a sex, the estrogen level at the time of release uh, doubles in him, and that then suppresses his testosterone. So testosterone's gone way up during sex. Woo, that's so exciting. But the estrogen will knock it back down. It doesn't necessarily knock it back down below normal. It just knocks it back down. So what just happened is the brain begins to associate a conditioned response that having a release with your wife knocks down your testosterone. So then you start coming home from work and you're thinking at work, oh, I can't wait to go home and have sex with my wife. This is a very common thing for men. You know, I saw something sexy. I want to go have sex with my wife. You walk in the door and the desire is gone. Just go into the house and it's gone. And basically what just happened is that condition Pavlovian bell rang. Oh, it's her. And when, you, when you're around her, testosterone goes down. So you feel tired. See, people think, oh, I'm so tired from work. But when they were dating, they weren't tired from work. <laughs> they had plenty of energy because the testosterone goes up anticipating doubling. But now you anticipate doubling. There, there's a conditioned response that when I'm with her and I release, it goes down. So that's a conditioned response. Fortunately, nature gives us a counter-conditioned response, which is that doubling every Saturday. So there is going to be a conditioned response where you lose interest in your partner because you keep losing testosterone. You don't lose it with other women. So you have that strong response with the lady online or anybody else, but not with your wife. So that's why men are tempted to cheat and so forth. Our women are tempted to cheat as well. For women, the conditioned response is a little different. For her, when she orgasms, she has double the estrogen. So her heart opens. She feels a bond, a connection, a need for this person. That's when she's most vulnerable at that time. You know, a real orgasm, she's like gripping your body, hold me, you know. It's just like such an intense moment to be felt, you know, I'm secure and safe in, in the arms of my beloved. So in that moment where she is so vulnerable, he withdraws. It's that her conditioned response now becomes when I open up fully, I lose love. So she gradually loses her ability to fully open up. And the thought of opening up is no longer as pleasurable as it used to be because conditioned response is, oh, if I go there, I, he goes away. So that's a conditioned response in her that causes her to lose interest. What is a counter conditioning to that is on that Saturday, if he doesn't release his desire doubles, that now counters the drop. Oh, it's he's able to give me what I want. So it will come back. It needs the reassurance that it comes back. But if it doubled once and then it keeps getting released, 
her body goes, I'll never get that again if I go that high. So we want to break these conditioned responses by being observant of our natural cycle, not to release too much if you're a man. Uh, and for a woman, I'll just say this, it's a little controversial, but is not to overstimulate yourself when you're doing it alone with a vibrator. Uh, vibrators are, in my opinion, uh, is the equivalent of male porn where men are overstimulated by visual imprints of false, you know, women pretending to love you and want you and they don't even know you. That's an overstimulation. Uh, the vibrator is something a man's finger or tongue are pressing against or will never be able to compete against. It desensitizes the clitoris so that she doesn't get the same level of arousal and her ability to be aroused becomes this addiction to clitoral stimulation rather than normal clitoral stimulation won't produce as much of an intense orgasm and it requires penetrating the g-spot the e-spot and the cervix spot and then the rim of the vagina these all these different spots provide more and more intense arousal for her of a different kind but not this tight intensity Dopa, high dopamine stimulation of clitoris alone. And the, the vibrator just is a, a machine, you know, just like a man's having sex with a computer, she's having sex with a machine. And it, it inhibits the ability to be fully turned on to a real person. John, I could listen to you all day. Uh, you know, the, the wealth of knowledge and obviously all the research that, that you've done. One of the things that uh, I see obviously behind you is, is an absolute um, you know, plethora of books, a huge, huge library. And um, I imagine outside of the screen and it continues to, to extend. Are you an avid reader? Is, is, is this something that, that you've always done? Well, it's 50 years. You know, I've been doing, <laughs> I've been reading for 50, I'm 67 years old, uh, 68. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a big collection. I keep it all. And, and, and you know, be quite straightforward. Everybody who's written a book sends me their book. So <laughs> the library is filled with books as well that people send to me. So in many cases, I skim books, uh, but most of the books here I've fully read. Yeah, wow, wow. What's what's next uh, for for you? Obviously, uh, you you spoke about going out and you know revisiting some of the old texts to to go out and review them to make them uh, 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 make the adjustments for you know say the twenty first century so so to speak. Um, what should we expect from from you in the next uh, you know ten years? Let's say. Oh well, interesting question. You know, I really don't live that far in the future. But sure. I definitely, I definitely know that uh, I, 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 uh, I'll be writing a book on grieving. Uh, that will be. I have a book uh, on grieving, which is called Mars and Venus Starting Over After a Breakup and Loss of a Loved One. Um, uh, last year, I lost someone very special to me, and uh, uh, I, I've been going through a big grieving process. So I'll probably. Uh, once I'm fully through that, I will uh, write a book on that. So that's important. Um, as people are getting older, they're losing people in their lives, and they don't really know how to grieve. Uh, and so you always you think of that person instead of a smile coming to your face and a, a wave of love, uh, you feel pain. And that pain means you just haven't healed it yet. It should bring greater love. Uh, so that's one one process, and it's a difficult thing for people. 
the, on the other side of that is the the book on uh, sex, you know, multi-orgasmic sex, uh, and that's that's a book that we briefly discussed. Uh, there's another book on um, advanced meditation for beginners. Okay. <laughs> that's a nice title i like uh, the title i want to write that down i just thought of it because we <laughs> talked about it i'm just saying yeah, we talked in 10 years in advance i have an advanced meditation for beginners uh that really sums it up thank you um uh, normally i just take it as it comes one day at a time i see i write about what happens in my life you know and, and some books i uh, I did not. The book on dating I wrote because everybody wanted me to write a book on dating, uh, and I was happily married at the time. Uh, and you know, I've been married to my wife 34 years, and great sex. I'm an example of what everybody wants, which is um, how to keep the passion alive. And I made that my commitment because always when you do these talks, people always ask that question. Uh, I was just doing a class in China. And a big class, all these groups of 10 had to come up with their big questions. And then we voted on the questions that people wanted answers to because I couldn't answer all the questions. And the one question that got everybody's hands raised and clapping and everything was how to keep the passion alive. That was it. You know, this is what people want today. It's the, in China, they want it. In America, they want it. It's, it's, and it's the reason is keep, keep in mind, it, that is the, the balance of the yin and the yang. That is, in Asian terms, the, the, the enlightenment. That is ecstasy. And we have the potential for that. So we glimpse it when we fall in love. People have always glimpsed it, but we have bigger glimpses of it now, which is that feeling of being in love and feeling ecstatic. And, you know, I describe the orgasmic state, which you can be in for, I mean, literally for hours with your partner. Uh, it's, it's, you get a little sore afterwards, but, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, I'm yours, you're mine. We're together forever. You know, that's a spiritual state of oneness that, uh, if you look in all the ancient literature, it's what you try to achieve through meditation. And I did achieve that through meditation. I can achieve that meditation, but it's a different experience altogether to bring that into the manifestation, into the world where you have somebody that fully knows you and you can fully love them. You know, I attribute my wife to this phrase, which is after seven years in our marriage, we were having great sex. And I said, wow, that was as good as in the beginning. And she said, oh, I thought it was better than the beginning. I said, why? You know, my first thought, were you faking in the beginning? And she said, no, no, no. The beginning, it was really great. But now it's so much better. And I said, why? And she said, because in the beginning, uh, we didn't really know each other. And now you've seen the best of me and the worst of me and you adore me and love me, that's what makes it great. And there was a moment there where my life changed. I realized then, I used to say having sex is making love, but then I realized that's what real making love is, is to be with the same person, to feel that adoration, that awe-inspiring love, the appreciation of beauty, the surrendering to each other, to continue having that after you know all the little arguments we have and the disappointments we have, but to come back to who we are, which is loving beings. That's the, the promise for people that are willing to do the study and the work to, to achieve that. And, you know, in the old days, if you wanted to be enlightened, boy, you had to work really, really hard. Uh, and, you know, when I was a yogi, uh, I slept on the floor. I fasted quite regularly. I ate one cup of food a day. I used my arm as a pillow. Uh, you know, I would meditate for hours and hours. 
it was hard work. I'd be exhausted uh, sitting up that long. And, you know, I got really great results, but you don't have to do that now. And uh, it, you can have great sex. <laughs> That's really the great thing. We're, we're all so much more enlightened just from the environment we live in today than ever before. John, something that's, uh, you know, really struck me in, in our conversation today, uh, which has given me an incredible uh, appreciation of, of your body of work that I've never known previously, so much of this is, is your lived experience. You know, you're, you're talking through the footsteps that you've trodden, um, not the research that you've done. Um, obviously the research is, you know, has come after that. Um, but even, even this, uh, book of yours around grief, um, you know, comes from a, a real true place. And, and, uh, you know, I think that, 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 um, says so much to, to be talking from lived experience rather than, you know, an, an academic or, or, um, you know, uh, someone who's read about something, um, you know, I think that oozes out in, in, in the way that you talk about these, these topics, your, your belief in it, because, um, you've lived it. And, and, um, uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to having another conversation at a later date, talking about these new books. Um, you know, I'm e eagerly, eagerly awaiting those. I know that you're a busy man, but, um, you know, uh, it, it's really kind of impressed impressed upon me, you know, how how much you you, you talk from you know from from your lived experience from your own heart. Uh, I just want to say thank you for that. You're an amazing interviewer, um, really perceptive. Uh, my only regret in this interview, I didn't let you talk more. <laughs> you, you're so perceptive. Uh, people are lucky to have you, and I appreciate you for what you said today. And it's been a real pleasure for me to spend this time with you. I look forward to more time. Thank you, John. Really appreciate it. Cheers. If you enjoyed this episode, please go out and subscribe and also share it with your friends. I'm trying to get the message out as much as possible. And I think this is a lovely you know, episode to go out and share with a lot of people. It can really make a difference. So share it, subscribe, thumbs up. It's going to make the world a difference to me. And also, forgot to mention, if you want to find out more about John, go to marsvenus.com.